Hi everyone, and welcome to Travel Notes, a show where we use music as our medium to travel the world and find ways in which we're all connected. I'm your host, Grace McNally, and in today's episode, I sit down with Dr. Michael O'Brien, who's a multi-instrumentalist, ethnomusicologist, and now the head of the music department at the College Charleston. We explore an Argentinian carnival art called Morga Porteño, and specifically a character named the Bombo Complatio, which has an instrumental and sometimes controversial role not only in carnival, but also Argentinian politics, soccer, and feminist movements. that kind of go together around carnival time. Um, so often when I talk to my students about it, I, I sort of tell them, you know, imagine a party and it's, it's a party, but it's also an art form, but it's really a non-professional art form. So it's made by people who maybe carnival is the one time of the year that they think of themselves as performers and they're performing for themselves and their friends and their community, um, very much working class art. And it's kind of like, I don't know, equal parts marching band and the daily show and weird al is kind of because it's satirical it's about making parodies taking the music that you already know Mm -hmm. and remaking it into something that's meaningful to you yourself with words that that are funny and sometimes sort of gross and sometimes edgy and political Um, and meanwhile so there's all of this stage show going on with poetry reciting and, and lyrics and song and then down underneath the stage on literally in the street you have somewhere between 10 and then a really big more than maybe a couple hundred people dancing Mm. with beautiful costumes and multicolored sequins and everyone sort of hand designs their own and they're Mm. um, made out of uh, satin and and everyone has sort of handmade um, sequin appliques and things and then these giant bass drums called bombo completillo which really just means a bass drum with a cymbal right so Uh does what it says on the tune giant drum like and then on the top you've got a, a little symbol very thick symbol mm-hmm. um which is if you're used to you go and see a, a rock group or a, a jazz group and you see sort of a professional drummer those symbols are uh much wider than you know we're talking about something that's like the size of maybe a saucer okay um but a professional symbol would be hand hammered out so you get these very thin elegant expensive things right. these are made by you take a big piece of bronze and you put it on a metal embossing lathe. So this is an industrial piece of machinery. It's the way that they used to make pots and pans, like up yeah. through the Second World War. Oh. And you just bend it, you get it real hot and spin it around, and you uh-huh. bend it into the shape of sort of a little cup. Yeah. So you have an instrument that is super loud, um, that you, can, that's, you can't learn how to play it in a conservatory. You learn how to play it in the street or from your friends. Um, and it makes a ruckus, and it's really sort of just kind of central to two places so if, yeah. if you're a soccer fan uh-huh. if you watch the world cup or if you watch boca juniors you know one of the, the great uh soccer teams of the world in buenos aires or any of the, the argentine teams uh-huh. you will see that the whole game the stadium is jumping 
and they're singing in unison and doing this with their arms that doesn't <laughs> translate to audio, sort of flinging one arm in the air. Yeah. And then they have these drums with cymbals and they're happening um, all the time, right? So the, the difference between carnival and a soccer game and a political protest march, these are the three places where like the line between- It's like common denominator, the bombo, yeah, this drum. This is yeah. the sound of the working class. Interesting, it's like an instrument for the people, by the people, it sounds. Totally, yeah. totally. So it's really loud. It's this instrument that is used to, sounds like, rile people up in mm -hmm. a way. Um, yeah, and that can be, that can have both really positive valences. Yeah. Like the idea is carnival is the time in which people who normally don't get to be center stage are occupying the, the most important spaces in the city. They cut off the main avenues, right. commerce shuts down, traffic shuts down. Wow. And the poor people are in charge, right? So this is yeah. like, this is not just Argentina. When we think about carnival, I think maybe in this country we don't have a lot of um, really good examples. Of Mardi Gras is the closest we have, but right. this goes back in the Middle Ages in Europe to carnival is the time before Lent, right? So right before everything shuts down and we become really serious and we can't <laughs> drink and we can't eat meat and we can't do any of the things that bring us joy, right. we better do all of them as hard as we can. <laughs> then for centuries, it's the time in which. Um, there's a scholar, a Russian literary scholar named Mikhail Bakhtin who's very influential in this. He talks about carnival being the inversion of power hierarchies. So that the rich are poor, the poor are rich. So when you think about, Murga is sort of in this tradition, the, the beautiful costumes I talked about. Yeah. People wear top hats and tails. Uh. Handmade, right? Like yeah. hand stitched uh, out of old materials. But what they're doing is they're mocking the aristocracy because when this tradition started, that's what it was, let's, Let's all dress up and pretend we're rich and be fancy. Right, right. So, like this satirical version or like um, yep. caricatures of the people exactly. in power. Interesting. So when you so what does the bombo do then? Is it the the murga parades into the stage? So you you really you'll hear them coming from a block off before you see them. Sure. And part of what the the bombo then is doing is is sort of announcing, saying like, here we come, come to the party, yeah. everyone welcome. There's a very positive aspect to that. Uh -huh. But that same group then will use that bombo in a protest march or yeah. in the stadium almost as a kind of sonic violence to say this space is ours and not yours yeah hear and, our voice and uh, you know we, we can yeah. sing louder and we can play our drums louder than the opposing team who we want to fight with become sort of a proxy for or sometimes an accompaniment to other kinds of more deliberate more literal violence. as far as like people who are playing it it's working class people mm -hmm. um is it mostly men or is it women too this is a great question. Yeah. So I would say up until five years ago-ish, mm -hmm. it was only and exclusively men. Interesting. And very much the, like, how big of a drum can you hold and how right. loud can you wail on the sucker? This is like Physically, a, it's a demanding instrument. Um, and really, so Murga was, remains predominantly male. And especially the roles that are leadership roles. So the people who are reciting the poetry or singing or make or being directors. Yeah. Um, women starting in the 60s was really the first time that women were involved at all and they were pretty mm -hmm. much only allowed to dance mm. um and as argentina has gotten hip to feminism sure um that's changed radically yeah um, and so my wife is a sociologist who works on gender in argentina and works particularly on the feminist movement um and so f starting in, when i started this project 2013 when I did my first trip to, to look at Murga, uh -huh. she started looking at the, the movement to legalize abortion in Argentina. And uh -huh. we lived parallel lives in that we stay in the same place in Buenos Aires 
and we do research, but That's my perfect. research days start at 10 o'clock at night and go till four in the morning and I'm yeah. out at carnival events and, and interviewing drummers and interviewing poetry reciters. And she would keep us nine to five and talk to politicians and organizers and activists and doctors and people Interesting. like that. And what we started to notice in 2018 was that you'd start to see women playing morga drums showing up at women's marches. Awesome. Um, and you'd start to see um, some of the lyrics sort of that, that are um, acknowledging the, so, so there's a movement that kind of comes before the Me Too movement here mm-hmm. called Ni Una Menos, Not One Woman Less. Um, in Argentina and it sort of goes across Latin America but it's really the feminist movement in Latin America took sort of two big things as their project Mm -hmm. one is um, fighting against domestic violence women are killed and beaten up at astonishing levels Um, and then the other is the legalization of abortion Mm -hmm. Um, and both of those things started to happen so I remember when I started doing my work on Murga I was mostly talking only to men and, you know, when I get to know folks and we learn about each other, you know, my wife would come up and I'd say she's working on abortion and, and they usually would have the sort of uncomfortable like, oh yeah, that's, that's a really complicated topic and sure. like that's where it would end. Uh-huh. And by 2018, there like this switch had been flipped. People were like, oh, the, yeah, the patriarchy has to fall. This is ridiculous. And, and men and, and women alike are writing lyrics about it. And so what you started to see was women say, we should be able to play the bombo too. Um, when I, so when I was there in Carnival in 2019, every morga I saw had at least one woman playing bombo. Awesome. There's a, there's a um, group of um, women percussionists teaching each other because one of the things that they would find is that women would tell us, I want to play the bombo, and, mm. and men would say, oh, you can't. Or, or they would, all right, all right, you can play the bombo, and they give it to you. Say, all right, so do this. All right. And of course, the first time you do it, like the first time you do anything musical, you suck. Right. And when it doesn't happen right the first time, then they take the bumbo away and say, oh, okay, you know, go, go dance. Oh, yeah, not, um, not, not fair. So many yeah. women said, all right, look, we can do this. Let's teach each other. So there's, yes. there's this whole sort of like women exclusive space for learning bumbo. And then also finding that those are places where you start talking about feminism and then you bring that back to your murga. I love it. And now you've got... You know, I, I've, there are really sort of like old school dudes, 50 year old dudes who never went beyond the eighth grade, who literally will talk without a, without a bit of irony about, yeah, well, we have to dismantle the patriarchy. I love that. So feminism gave, gave young women in particular sort of a theoretical vocabulary to talk about what they're already experiencing, which is like, I'm being excluded yeah. and there's no reason I shouldn't be able to do this. Right. And then the bombo becomes this great tool for like now that you have the politics in your head yeah. what are you going to do about it well we're going to go to a plaza and like like you said a drum is a fantastic tool for putting bodies and and voices in sync we're not just chanting but we're drumming and we're dancing and we're doing carnival and we're here yeah like as a way like not just for it to be a party but to say stop murdering us yeah and this instrument is throughout history been there at the center of like um political movements, cultural events, and then just this also as a voice for the working class mm-hmm. people. Does it have a history like before Argentina? I mean... Yeah, well, you know, it's um, it's less clear than, than one might like to be mm-hmm. able to tell a, a specific story. Sure. Um, one of the places that you'll see a bass drum with a symbol modern on top is mm-hmm. in where, what we call the Janissary Band, so the Turkish military bands. 
um, of the, I mean, you hear them, you hear Beethoven actually um, in the Ninth Symphony kind of imitating that, where he don't, don't, Oh, really? He's imitating the Turkish right. version. Right, so, which is interesting because, like, what he's doing there, he's really saying the brotherhood of all mankind, right? So, so for someone in Vienna, in Austria, in a place in which they had just been occupied by the Turkish, to say, really, I mean all mankind, to sort of musically invoke their former enemy colonizer is to say like no really i mean everybody right yeah but you find it probably the most direct um predecessor of the one that ends up in argentina is uh they use it in southern spain so that the carnival of southern spain and the carnival of venice in italy are kind of two of the places that get imported and and changed around and localized in argentina there is like this intense sense of um temporality and nostalgia in Mm -hmm. a lot of so one of the songs uh, that that I gave you a retira- is what's called a retiradas or a, mm. a retreat song or a farewell song. Every morning performance starts with a parade in mm. and an introduction song where you an introduction poem. So you introduce this is the name of our morga, this is the barrio we're from, this is Carnival Hooray, we're happy. And then the middle part is where we do the satire and the critique and mm-hmm. and the politics. And then the end is always a retirada where you say we're sorry that we have to go, but we'll come back. There will always be another carnival, right? So like, there's always yeah. the sense of the inevitable return. Mm-hmm. One of the pieces that I brought to you, we mentioned El Bombo Loco, right? This this song that tells the story of the, the bombo. And I'd, you can play that if you want. Yeah. Um, but I also brought you another song by Ariel Prat, by the same guy called Rumba y Tres Saltos. Um, and this is a song that sort of, he, he, this is part of the, the trend of, non-murga groups doing murga outside of carnival right like so this this is on an album it's it's a sony music album and it tells the story of um this is maybe more detailed than we want but we've been talking about murga porteña right the version of murga right. from the port city of buenos aires there's a similar but in some ways very different um style of murga that's done right across the river in uruguay <laughs> and so this is a song that tells the story of a murguero from Uruguay who mm. crosses the river to come and perform in Carnival in Argentina mm. and falls in love with a woman, mm. murguera, from uh, Argentina. And, and, um, it's like West Side Story? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's not that bloody, but, but it's... Yeah. So in the, um, one of the classic dance moves in, in uh, murga is called rumba and then um, tres saltos, or three jumps. So that each of the different sections mm. of, of um, a murga performance is punctuated by people doing these three high kicks one after another, right? So, oh, so the song Rumba y Tres Saltos sort of talks about, and the, the lyric in the middle is basically the, the Uruguayan man and the Argentine woman meeting and making plans to meet up after the performance. Oh. Um, so that's kind of fun. So Skittles that's by Ariel Pratt. Mm-hmm. This first song we're going to listen to is Rumba y Tres Altos by Ariel Pratt. Mientras su murga espera entrar, quiere escuchar, mirar mejor 
a ese murguista del Uruguay. No es una tarde común, no es un tablado de allá, y él mueve más que los pies viendo bailar. A esa gurisa que es mortal, será de Dios, de carnaval, o es una ninfula infernal. Adelante muchachos. Un baile salto pa' dos, donde nos vemos después, en la otra cuadra hay un bar, que bien nos vemos allá. Rumba y tres alto pa' dos, donde nos vemos después, en la otra cuadra hay un bar, que bien nos vemos allá. Porque el ganador de los exámenes fuimos nosotros. Y juntando esto lo demuestran, ¿eh? Barcelona Norte es el sur, río de la plata total. La luna tiene en el medio para alumbrar. Qué retirada, tan bogarte. El obierro no aguanto más. Mando pasajes y allá. Rumba y tres altos pa' dos, donde nos vemos después. En la otra cuadra hay un bar, que bien nos vemos allá. Rumba y tres altos pa' dos, donde nos vemos después. En la otra cuadra hay un bar, que bien nos vemos allá. Rumba y tres altos pa' dos, donde nos vemos después. En la otra cuadra hay un bar, que bien nos vemos allá.
that's cool to see is that how different neighborhoods have evolved musical styles or dancing styles that sort of reflect who they are. So mm -hmm. La Boca, the um, neighborhood right down by the port, was for a very long time in the early 20th century, um, was the neighborhood where all of the Italian immigrants, particularly the Genovese immigrants, went. Hmm. So they had um, uh, accordions, oh. and then this particular kind of uh, Italian friction drum called Zabomba. Huh. Different than Zabumba, but it sounds similar. <laughs> Only in that neighborhood. Um, more recently, there's been a lot of immigrants, um, sort of indigenous immigrants from Peru and Bolivia to Argentina. So you'll see groups that'll have a charango in them, or that'll have a, a quena in them, or that'll incorporate right. some of the indigenous song styles like Waino or Carnavalito. That's really cool. Yeah. So there's this indigenous kind of fusion of If that's your neighborhood, right? Like that's what huh. Murga does, is it tells the story of the neighborhood you've got. Um, and then the last one I had for you um, is a retirada, right? So this is one of the, mm. the farewell songs, but it's done in a trio version. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's done, it, it, it's telling the story of the, of the Murga Malashunta, um, and it's saying, you know, that they, they have to leave until the next carnival. But one of the reasons I like this one, uh, the, the chorus here says, um, Dicen que esto fue, yo no me com como ninguna, si vi 30,000 murgueros bailando bajo la luna, which, which means, um, they say that this is all over, right? But I don't buy it for a second, because I've seen 30,000 murgueros dancing under the moon. Oh, and that is beautiful. It's lovely, right? Yeah. But it's, there's, there's a, a layer there, which is that 30,000 is not just any old number in Argentina. That's our best estimate for how many people were murdered by the state during the dictatorship. Wow. People who were, because they were political dissidents or they were in a union or they had a neighbor who dropped a dime on them for whatever, okay. were tortured and killed. Um, so so that's a powerful number. That's a number that resonates with Oh yeah. a generation or whoever. You know, it's people, like saying yeah. six million to a Jew. Yeah, right? sure. Like, um, yes. So I, I, I like Ooh. it because it, like, it's a beautiful song. And if you don't know that, it goes right over your head. Yeah, sure. Um, but it reminds us that Murga is, even in times of total celebration and fun mm -hmm. like it is that but it's also a time and it's a stage from which you can say things and tell stories to people and you have a microphone that maybe in the rest of your life you don't have the second and final song we're going to listen to is called retirada by nosotros <laughs> Aparece 
bailando bajo la luna. really exciting and what um what kind of stuff do you guys have going on in terms of uh, latin american music or ethnomusicology yeah well i'm the ethnomusicologist i think it's important that musicians understand how their culture fits into a world of things that are in some cases very different than the ways we think about music so um Since 2017, we now have a new course called Music as Culture, which everyone who's a music major or minor at the College of Charleston takes, so that they will, in the course of their four years, hear and think about music from all the, well, all the continents except Antarctica, no musical penguins. Um, Yes, just kidding. (laughs) Right, yes, exactly. (laughs) That we know of. Yeah. Um, And then, but I also think that... um, Ethnomusicology has important things to say, even to people who aren't musicians. So that, you know, in music, because it's concrete and because it's done with the body and it, because it's this place where people deliberately perform things, right? I think an anthropologist would tell you we're all performing all the time. Mm-hmm. From the time you decide what you're going to put on in the morning and how you're going to do your hair to the way you talk, who you talk, you know, all of these things are performance. But music is really a performance. And because of that, it, it's such a great place to get people to think about these wacky abstract ideas like culture or identity or memory or ritual like what do we mean by those things Mm -hmm. um so i also teach classes um that are meant for people with no background in music or Mm -hmm. some but they're not majors i do one um that's looks at music from around the world called world music cultures and i do one specifically about latin america because that's my home uh, at least my intellectual home. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also part of a Latin American studies uh, major. Oh, yeah, that's that. right. Mm-hmm. And then um, for the last five years, I led a group that we call Otro Sur, so Another South. I've used that as sort of a lab space to say, another one of the ways you can learn about Latin America is actually learning to play this stuff. So we kind of do a sampler platter approach and might play one tune from Venezuela and one from Peru and one from Argentina and one from Cuba in a cool. semester. So if you're interested, if you're a student or even a community member, we, we often have people join the group. Um, they can write to me at the College of Charleston, and I can tell you how to do that. Okay. Um, you can also follow that group on Facebook. Um, if you look up Otro Sur, that's O-T-R-O-S-U-R, uh, College of Charleston, you'll find, and they'll publicize, you'll hear some of their old recordings, and you'll see concerts advertised there. Thanks again for listening, guys, to this episode of Travel Notes featuring Dr. Michael O'Brien. I think he really hit the nail on the head when he said music is a great place for people to think about culture, identity, memory, and ritual. So if you like what you hear, check us out on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And if you'd like to connect and subscribe, send an email to travelnotespodcast at gmail.com and you'll get a monthly email that has a bunch of juicy tidbits, music, and other resources that didn't make it into this month's episode. As always, it's been a pleasure and don't get too comfy because our next trip is just around the corner.